welcome to another episode of Almost Enlightened. I'm your host, Alex Morin, and today's episode is called The Table. Initially, I called this episode Perception, but along the way, I made a discovery that was so startling to me that I decided to call the episode The Table. So let's get going, because I want to share this revelation with you. Simply put, perception is how we view something, or really anything. Perception is the image or the interpretation of the image that's created in our mind by our brain piecing together the data we take in through our senses. Combined with experience or memory, the end result is a multidimensional reality that's unique to the perceiver. This is why statements like, you create your own reality, are actually quite apropos. So let's aim to understand what happens in the brain when we perceive something. A great place to start is with the senses. Our senses allow us to know what's happening in the moment. Whether you taste, touch, see, smell, or hear something, these senses are going to allow you to identify or perceive what you're tasting, what you're touching, what you're seeing, smelling, or hearing, and all in real time. So let's examine the sense of sight as our first glimpse into perception. When I grew up, one of my childhood best friends was colorblind. What was orange to me was red to him, and what was yellow was orange. And as a youngster, this boggled my mind. How is it humanly possible that my buddy sees something so entirely different than what I'm seeing? Well, this may well have been my initiation into a realization that not all human beings see things the same way. I would muse about this as I grew up and wondered if color was the only thing that could be interpreted in different ways. You know, what if my buddy was looking at the same tree I was looking at and saw it in a different shape? What if he saw clouds in a completely different way? And oh my gosh, what if we don't see anything the same way? Well, that would certainly challenge everything I know about seeing and perception. So let's pursue that. Have you ever wondered what a blind person sees in their mind when you say, table? Someone who became blind later in life would certainly have some kind of an image of a table in their mind that was based on the image of a table they'd seen in the past. Yet what does someone who was born without sight perceive in their mind when we say table? The answer is actually quite astonishing. There's a wonderful article on the Live Science website by Natalie Wolchover that examines how blind people picture things. The article features an associate professor at the University of British Columbia by the name of Paul Gabias. Gabias lost his sight shortly after birth and for all intents and purposes has never been able to see with his eyes. Now presumably the interview took place at some kind of a table to which Gabias had this to say. My image of the table is exactly the same as a table. It has height, depth, width, texture. I can picture the whole thing at once. It just has no color. Huh. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Why don't you try the experiment yourself? Picture a table in your mind. Now, I'll give you a couple of seconds to picture that table without color. Give it a try. It's kind of hard to do, isn't it? And that's because you're inhibited from doing so by your ability to see and the fact that you associate color with images. And yes, I'm including black and white here. The point I'm making is that Gabias perceives imagery, just like you and me, only it's not visual. So if I'm looking at the same table that Gabias is sitting at, both of us share a perception of that table. And to the outside world, that table is exactly the same for both of us. And even to me and Gabias, it's the same physical table. 
However, our respective imagery is different. Let's dig a little deeper here, and I'm going to get a bit geeky. When I look at a table, the data that my eyes take in, in other words, the differing wavelengths of light, because that's how sight works, those get processed in the occipital lobe, which is the back of the brain where the visual cortex is located. The brain will take that information and put it all together to create a picture or a visual in my mind. And after that, a message is sent to the parietal lobe, which is sometimes referred to as the where system in the brain because this is where the brain makes sense of spatial location and dimensions. At this point, my brain's going to be calculating where the table is in the room, how big it is, what its proportions are, etc. And then finally, that message makes its way to the temporal lobe, sometimes referred to as the what system, so that my brain can determine what the object is. And in this case, the brain's going to go through a database of objects stored in my brain and quickly determine that the image and the spatial dimensions I've calculated look most similar to an object that I call a table. The reason I'm going into such great detail here is because what's astonishing is that even in a blind person, the same processing order occurs, meaning that the initial data, the senses that Gabias uses to identify the table, which are mainly tactile, they still first go through the visual cortex in the occipital lobe, even though that person is blind. And that is crazy fascinating. So perception doesn't necessarily have anything to do with vision, although we often make correlations between the two. Perception, in Gabias's case, is connected to senses other than vision. Now, I really wanted to make that point because I think it's important to note that perception isn't dependent on a universal sense. Just because we don't perceive something in the same manner as someone else doesn't mean that we aren't perceiving the same thing. We're just going about it in different ways, which in my opinion, accounts for the different ways in which people perceive things. So on that note, my contention is that simply based on the senses, how we use them, which ones we use to identify something, and how much each sense is used in the identification perception process, we can never perceive exactly the same thing as someone else. We may be able to agree on the definition of what we're perceiving, but how could it ever be exactly the same as someone else's perception? And that brings up a really cool concept. How often do we see the same thing that a friend is seeing and yet interpret it as something completely different? You may remember that internet phenomenon a few years ago where people debated the color of a dress. While some saw it as blue and black, which was the actual color of the dress, most people saw it as white and gold. And without going into too much detail, the determining factor of what color combo people saw was entirely dependent on one's perception of the lighting. When there's a lack of complete information, oftentimes the brain will make a set of assumptions in order to make a conclusion. This is what happened in the dress example. And this is well documented in science and is a remarkably efficient way for the brain to save the energy it would have taken to reach a conclusion if it had to start from scratch. You can certainly see how making assumptions could create disagreements when it comes to friendships. Oftentimes, our disagreements with someone stem from a difference in perspective. Hey, that bank lineup was enormous. No, it wasn't. There were only six people ahead of us. Well, who's right? And who's wrong? It's a matter of perception. In fact, both people may be right. It all depends on your perception. 
Here's where it gets really interesting. Thus far, we've spent a fair amount of time analyzing our perceptions of inanimate objects like tables. But everything changes when we analyze subjective matter like someone's behavior. You and I may be standing in a lineup for food when the person in front of us says, don't stand so close to me. When we get our food and find a table, you may say to me, man, that dude in the lineup was a real jerk, wasn't he? And I might say, nah, I didn't think so. He must be a painter because he was covered in wet paint and probably didn't want us to get paint on our clothes. As you can see, our respective perceptions of the person's behavior are vastly different. If we don't have the chance to question that person, neither of us will ever know whose perception was right and whose was wrong. And in the end, neither of us may have gotten it right, and he may well have been repeating a song lyric from the band The Police. It seems to me that our perception of the outside world is entirely dependent on our experiences, our emotional state, and the degree to which the brain makes assumptions based on the information it takes in through the senses. It also seems to me that the prevailing emotional state governs, to some extent, how we view the world. Let me give you an example that revolves around driving. When you're late for an appointment and you hit a red light, it's extremely annoying, isn't it? Sometimes I'll comment to anyone in the car that'll listen that we have hit every single red light in the darn city today. And that's because the emotional state I was in while driving was one of stress because of being late for an appointment. But by contrast, I'll have zero recollection of any red lights if I'm simply taking a leisurely Sunday afternoon drive with my family, even if I hit all of them. Again, all about perception. So all of this begs the question, what degree of control do we have over our perception? I think that the answer I'm about to give you is going to frustrate you. On one hand, I think we have zero control. And on the other hand, I think we have complete control. While there's no empirical answer, because that would just be a matter of perception, what I'm learning is that learning sometimes removes our control. Yeah, I know I'm probably confusing the crap out of you right now, so let me try and explain. We're more or less born with a blank slate. We don't know what a table is any more than we know how a nuclear reactor works. We have to learn what a table is. And once we do, it's a table forevermore. But a table can and is a multitude of things. It's a bed frame. It's a step. It's a raft. It's firewood. No control over perception means that it's a table. Complete control over perception means that it's anything you want it to be. That's a massive realization for me. And I'm totally serious when I tell you there's a profound sense of triumph and hope that comes from that realization. And I was actually quite emotional about it when I made the discovery yesterday, which is why I decided to call this episode The Table. Replace The Table is Anything You Want It To Be with Anything is Anything You Want It To Be. And you have a key to the universe. I unknowingly conducted a little experiment on the matter one month ago. I decided that beginning on a specific day, I would change my entire mental attitude to one of enduring positivity with zero exceptions. The first 10 days were unlike any days I have 
ever had in my life. Seriously. No matter what was thrown at me, I turned the situation around in my head and only looked at the positive. My phone calls with service providers were fun. My interactions with the kids were light and supportive. I started doing things I'd been putting off for years because I decided to approach those tasks with positivity. I can't even begin to describe how it all felt. But I can tell you that those 10 days were among the most hopeful of my life. But that's a really hard perspective to hang on to when you're fighting a belief system that's been in place for your entire life. The next few days after the first 10 were interesting in that I started to feel fear and doubt again. Little things would annoy me, but I developed a taste for being perpetually happy. And as a result, I was turning around those negative situations in a matter of seconds. Unfortunately, as the days progressed, those seconds turned into minutes and then hours. While I'm far better off than I was before I started the experiment, I've reverted to some of the old patterns that I want to change. And I will. I think it just takes time to reprogram those old beliefs and to take back control of our perception. Incidentally, I began the experiment again yesterday, (laughs) and it's because I was so inspired by my anything is anything you want it to be discovery that I'm actually beyond energized at the moment and loving this new path. So how might we go about regaining control of our perception? Perception, as it turns out, has a lot to do with our results. Perceive something as being possible, and you'll likely accomplish what you set out to do. But perceive something as impossible, and you'll likely never accomplish that task, let alone even attempt it. I like to always begin with the premise that anything is possible. Like the author Margaret Drabble penned, when nothing is sure, everything is possible. And if your perception is getting in the way of your happiness or your goals, try reverse engineering your perception. I want to provide you a hypothetical example. You've been at the same job for two years and you'd like a promotion and a pay raise. However, in your last review, your boss said that times are tough and nobody's getting a raise and that the company's not even looking to promote at this time. In light of this information, it would be acceptable to believe that you're not getting a raise this year. But that would only be your perception. So let's throw conventional thinking right out the window. If we believe and perceive that anything is possible, then how would we reverse engineer a promotion and a raise? Well, you're going to have to suspend your disbelief and replace it with the belief that you got the raise and the promotion already. A great place to start might be to ask yourself what you did to earn the raise and the promotion. Remember, we're in the realm of the hypothetical now, so go with me here. In this new scenario, you're going to go back in time and you're going to figure out how you accomplished your goal. If it were me, this is how I'd envision it. After leaving my review, I was disappointed. But when I got home, I had an idea. I realized that by creating tremendous value for the company, a raise and a promotion would be a guarantee. So I set about landing a new seven-figure account. Once I landed it, I taught and mentored someone else in my department how to do what I did. He also landed a massive account. 
After that, I asked my boss for a meeting where I told her what I'd accomplished and why I did it. I told her that I had decided to personally improve my company's situation by bringing profitable revenue to the firm. And I did this by landing the seven-figure account. And then I decided that I wanted to show you the kind of leader and the kind of teacher that I am. So I taught Frank how to do what I did. We both brought in a ton of value, and I'm hoping that you now see my value both as an employee and as a leader. I'd like to respectfully ask for a raise and to be promoted to supervisor of my department. So let's exit that reality now. That is how to reverse engineer your perception. And I'm telling you right now that it works because I've done it hundreds of times and I continue to do that. Start with the desired result and then reverse engineer it, beginning with a perception that what you desire is absolutely possible. In fact, it's guaranteed. Thus far, we've been examining our perceptions of what we'll call the outside world. But how do we perceive self? I suppose there are a multitude of ways in which we can do this. We can see our physical selves by looking in the mirror. Unfortunately, we can't see any of our organs this way. We can use our memory to create a narrative of our chronological self, as in, I was born on such and such a date, and this is what's happened in my life until now. We can contemplate and adopt what others think of us. But as we reflected upon earlier, when looking at the outside world, one's perception of an inanimate object is usually a composite of many factors. So when we examine ourselves by giving more credence to one factor over another, one would have to assume that our perception of self changes based on the varying lenses you use while viewing yourself. So just like the table, you are anything you want to be. I've got one more thing I want to share with you before we call it a day. As I record this very episode, I'm sitting at a glass table. I've owned this table for over 18 years. When I bought it, we used it as a kitchen table in the first house. And then we moved it to a new house and continued to use it as a kitchen table there as well. When I separated from my first wife, I got to keep the table. And so I brought it to, yes, another house where, yes, once again, it was used as a kitchen table. Eventually, the chairs that belonged to the table fell apart with age and we got rid of them. But we replaced those chairs and continued using the table. When we moved from that house, I'd finally had enough of the table. It didn't fit the theme of the new house, and because we were doing renovations, on the main floor, we put the table in the basement as a place to eat while we were renovating. Once upon a time, we even put it up for sale and had someone come to the house, look at it, decide to purchase it, and then call to tell us, yes, he changed his mind. In the end... That was okay with us because from time to time, the kids would come down to the basement and use the table to do arts and crafts on. Today, my two older kids don't use the table anymore and my youngster doesn't love to come down to the basement by himself. So I decided to turn the table into my office table. As you can tell from the short history I've just given you on this table, it is certainly a part of my family's history. And yet as I record right now, I'm looking dead ahead. I can only see the table in my peripheral vision. I have no idea if the edges are beveled. I have no idea what the feet look like. I have no idea what the metal frame looks like that connects the base to the glass. I could guess at all these things, 
but I'd probably be wrong. In the end, the table really is nothing. What I make of it is entirely my perception. But what I make of it right now is that it's in the exact location where now is happening. And as I shift my focus to the actual table and look down at it, I can see my reflection in it. And isn't that something? Thanks for listening today. I appreciate you. <laughs>